Hello everyone and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hope and I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the Word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And more details are available on our website which is www.refinerylife.org. And this week we're going to continue our series titled Questions People Ask About the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about what are the gifts of the Spirit. The text we're concentrating on is 1 Peter 4.10. It says, Just as one as each of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. It sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? And the scriptures will work through a 1 Peter 4.8-11, Romans 12.1-8, 1 Corinthians 12 through to 14 and Ephesians 4, 1 through to 16. What are the gifts of the Spirit? And how can you tell which one you have? To find the answer to these questions, you need your Bible in hand because you need to know what the Bible says about this and not what I say or what anyone else says. Christ said in his word in John eight thirty two. And you will know the truth regarding salvation, and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. And to the extent that you and I are able to grasp the truth, we will move into the freedom that God wants us to enjoy. To the extent that we have to depend on human experiences that change from moment to moment, we will be locked into the bondage of subjectivism of human existence and human experience. Thus we want to get our teeth into something solid in God's word. And the four passages in the New Testament deal specifically with the gifts of the Spirit. They're the ones we're working through today. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. Romans 12, 1 through to 8. 1, 1 Corinthians sorry, 12 through to 14. And Ephesians 4, 1 through to 16. And we'll focus our study on these four passages moving from one to the other as we find the answer to the question, what are the gifts of the Spirit? And how do you tell which one you have? So let's start with what are the gifts of the Spirit. As a minister, this is a question that we we see often, or we hear often. You'll notice that each of these passages, the superiority of the fruit of the Spirit is over the gifts of the Spirit. Let me say that again. The superiority of the fruit of the Spirit comes over the gift of the Spirit. For instance, 1 Peter 4, 8 said, Above all, love each other deeply. The first fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, 22 is exactly that. Each of these passages emphasizes the necessity of having the fruit of the Spirit in order to have the proper attitude for demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit. If you ever get that around the wrong way, you're going to be in trouble. It's about the fruit of the Spirit, not about the gift. And then Peter gave one of the most obvious avenues for displaying the gifts of the Spirit when he said in 1 Peter 4.9, offer hospitality to one another. Peter said as much in 1 Peter 4.10 about the gifts of the Spirit as Paul said in the entire chapter. So let's look at verse 10 very closely. 1 Peter 4.10 Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God. Employ it in serving one another 
as is appropriate for good spirits, uh, sorry, good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christian by God's unmerited favor. Let me tell you, everyone in the body of Christ is a gifted person. There's not a special class of people in the church who are the gifted ones, as many people would have you believe. Everyone in the body of Christ is a gifted person. And this is taught again and again in these four passages. And notice the tense, has received, not will receive or may receive, but have received. How many received a gift? The answer is everyone. Thus a gift is not something that I am seeking. Why is that? Because I've already received it. I already have it. I don't seek something that I already have. Paul did, however, say that we should eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So what logical conclusion can we draw from this? If everyone has received, we must have received our particular gift or gifts at the moment of our new birth. Just as we received our natural talents when we're physically born, so we receive our gifts of the Spirit when we're spiritually born. Now, nowhere in the Bible you find a school of evangelism or a school of prophecy or a school of healing. It doesn't exist. That's man-made rubbish because we received our gifts at the moment of our new birth. That doesn't mean that we develop our gifts immediately any more than we would immediately develop a talent. Some people live their whole lives and never discover their talent, and some discover it late in life. Some Christians never take seriously the Holy Spirit in their lives and thus never become aware of or develop and use the gift the Holy Spirit has given them. Peter said, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. So what is the obvious meaning of gift here? A gift is not something you earn. A gift is free to the recipient. Therefore, your particular gift of the Spirit is given to you free, just as salvation was. Remember, salvation is a gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast, it tells us in Ephesians 2.9. You do not receive a gift of the Spirit because of your spiritual standing or your deep prayer life. We hear it all the time. Just pray more and you'll be able to prophesy. Just pray more and you'll be able to heal people. It's not what the Bible says. Salvation is a gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast. You do not receive a gift of the Spirit because you pray more or you're more holy than someone else. Thus you can't boast or be prideful about it. Peter said that we are to use our gifts to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We aren't to covet someone else's gift, but we're to minister with the gift that God has given us. You know, we don't go lying on you know, dead prophets' graves to try and pick up their mantle. That's witchcraft. We don't covet other people's gifts. The Bible makes that very clear. He does not expect us to minister what he has not already given us. So be what you are. If God has made you a foot in the body of Christ, be a foot. If he's made you a hand, be a hand. Some people, we're to use the gifts 
all of our gifts to serve others. Some people say they want to you know, have this gift or that gift because it means so much to them or it does so much for them. But they're missing the point. The gifts of the Spirit are not to be used for yourself, but for ministering to others. So many of these ministries we see, you know, the, the, the school of evangelism, which people are paying for, they're using that gift for themselves. They're not using it for others. The gifts of the Spirit are not to be, they're, they're not given to be used for you, but they're to be used for ministering to others. We are merely stewards of God's gifts. We don't own them. A time will come when all stewards must give an account to God of how we used our gifts of the Spirit. Many are going to be disappointed with the response they receive. And there's many gifts of the Spirit. And we can learn about additional gifts in other passages. But in Romans 12, 6 through to 8, Paul lists seven gifts of the Spirit. Let's go through them. First one's prophecy in Romans 12, 6. Prophecy or preaching involves a message that is directed to a group of people. It is the gift to communicate God's word effectively, and it is not foretelling, but forthtelling. Let me say that again. Prophecy is not foretelling, but forthtelling. The second gift is ministry in Romans 12.7. And this gift certainly isn't limited to deacons, but ordaining someone into the deaconship would certainly say, we recognize that this person has a particular gift of the Spirit. Ministry is the God-given ability to show Christ's love in practical service to others. The third one's teaching, Romans 12.7. The message of Christ not only needs to be proclaimed, but also needs to be explained. That's where a lot of the so-called evangelists that are running around at the moment miss the point completely. They might be proclaiming part of the word, certainly not proclaiming all of it, but the word needs to be explained. Next one is exhortation in Romans 12.8. Now we know teaching is normally done with a group, but exhortation is normally done on a one-on-one -on -one basis, as a counsellor would do. Exhortation should have a dominant note, however, and that note should be encouragement. It aims at not dangling someone over the flames, but springing them onto the joy of life in Christ. Next one is giving. Giving is actually a... A gift. Everything that myself and Amanda have comes because we started giving. I wish we'd started earlier in life. But it came because we started giving. The church didn't give us anything. God gave us businesses and blessed us because of our giving. And this is a wonderful gift that comes with so many blessings. When people turn this gift loose in their lives, God increases his blessing to them so that they can have more with which to practice the gift. The more we give, the more God can bless us, which then in turn gives us more to give. The next one's ruling in Romans 12.8, and this gift is closely related to, if not the same as governments that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12.28. Ruling means to occupy a leading place. You know, some people carry out the administration of the church. They, they withhold the governmental order of the church. Next one's showing mercy in, in Romans 12.8. It's possible to forgive someone in such a way that the very act of forgiveness is an insult. Paul said that the Holy Spirit gives the gift of showing mercy with cheerfulness. 1 Corinthians 12.8-10 then mentions eight more gifts of the Spirit. First one's wisdom in 1 Corinthians 12.8. 
it comes not so much from the mind so much as from communion with God. We get our wisdom from communion with God. Next we've got knowledge, also in 1 Corinthians 12.8. And this is practical thinking, the knowledge that knows what to do in any given situation. It's the practical application of wisdom to human life. Next we've got faith, 1 Corinthians 12.9. This refers not to the faith that saves, but to the faith that accomplishes great exploits for God. Think of people like Noah and the flood and David and Goliath as examples. These people aren't smarter, nor are they, do they necessarily work harder, but they have the gift of faith that enables them to attempt the near impossible. Next we've got healing, 1 Corinthians 12.9. This is the power to cure diseases by means of medicines and surgery or, or prayer and faith. You know, there's some things that the, God actually wants the doctor to do the work. We cannot limit healing to any one method, for the method is not the important issue. Next is working in miracles, 1 Corinthians 12.10. A supernatural power given to some to do great deeds. It was especially needed in the first century to confirm the claims of the gospel. And this can include casting out of demons, both real and imagined. Next is discerning of spirits, 1 Corinthians 12.10 again. This is the gift of the protector of the church. This gift keeps people from following the frauds. It is the ability to discern a false spirit from a true spirit. Unfortunately, discernment of spirit is lacking in our modern day churches. In Acts 5, Peter discerned the false spirit of Ananias and Sapphira. Next is the kinds of tongues, also 1 Corinthians 12.10. The supernatural gift of speaking in another language without having been learned is a great way to describe speaking in tongues. This gift in the early part of the first century was helpful in communicating the gospel quickly to nationalities that otherwise could not have heard it. And then there's interpretation of tongues, which is the ability, whether learned or supernaturally given, to translate into the other language of listeners what the, per, what the speaker was saying in another language. Now, our second question today is, how can you tell which gift you have? Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4-5. It says, Now there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it is the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. Verse 5. And there are distinctive varieties of ministries and service. But it is the same Lord who is served. Since there are many gifts of the Spirit, how can we know which gift we have so that we can begin to use and develop it? 1 Corinthians 12.11 says, All these things, the gifts, the achievements, the abilities, the empowering, are brought about by the one and the same. Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually as he chooses. The Holy Spirit chooses who gets what gifts. We don't choose. Let me suggest four steps. The first one is your preparation. You must learn the truth. John 8.32 
and you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free. You have to know the kind of God the God of gifts is. Look at Psalm 84.11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows grace and favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God wants you to discover your gift. It is not his will that it be hidden from you. We need to understand what the gifts are. That's the next thing there. We need to understand your position. This is a recognition of your position in the body of Christ. Look at Romans 12.5. So we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ. And individually we are parts of one another. We're mutually dependent on one another. You are an important member of the body of Christ. We need to understand your practice. This is the next thing. This is the next suggestion I have for you. The next step. You must begin practicing what you believe may be your gift. For example, if you're teaching, and on the first Sunday you have 12 pupils, the second Sunday you have 8, the third you have 4, and the fourth you have 2, you've got one or two problems. Firstly, you didn't prepare well, which could be the case, or secondly, you do not have the gift of teaching. But you do have some other equally important gift. And the next step is your participation. Remember that you are an important participant along with others. You are not in isolation, but in relation with others. Look at Ephesians 2.22. In him, and in fellowship with one another, you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. As we participate in practicing our gifts in the church, we should ask, how am I coming across to others? How do they read me? Their evaluation and response may confirm your gift or cause you to consider another gift. And there's three questions we should ask. First one is, do you enjoy using, or do I enjoy using my gift? Do you enjoy using your gift? Does this bring happiness and satisfaction to you? Are you comfortable doing it? God doesn't force square pegs into round holes. You must remember that. He does not expect us to use what we do not have. Do others enjoy you using a gift? It may well be that you enjoy doing something, but others don't enjoy it. Does God bless you doing it? Simply because God does not bless me doing a certain thing doesn't mean that God is displeased with us. It may simply mean that we don't have the gift for doing what you're trying to do. So don't feel rejected by God. You should seek to discover what your gift really is. As you finish up today, you have a gift, a very important gift. It may be different to mine, but I need you, I respect you, and I thank God for both you and your gift. 1 Peter 4.10 says, we'll read it again, just as each of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. It's my encouragement for you today. Seek your gifts out. Start using them. And I want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talking about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. 
There's nothing that's too hard for him. He can make you whole, spirit, soul, and body, if you will allow him to. You're important to God, but you're also important to us at the refinery. When it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises to you. So whatever you're concerned about, whatever you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. Until next time, stay in the blessings.